Hello and welcome to the Doctor Who Show's Alternate Galaxies episode where we are reviewing The Mandalorian Season 2. I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. I'm Richard. And thank you once again, Richard, for joining us for this conversation. So, The Mandalorian Season 2 has now aired on the Disney Plus channel. We've all watched it. I know a lot of our listeners have as well. I know a lot of our friends have as well. So, we are here to discuss it. As always, there'll be a quick uh, spoiler-free discussion, just giving you an overview of what we thought about this and a taste of what's to come. Uh, we will then give the spoiler warning, and after that, it will be a free-for-all. So, on that note, Richard, you're the guest. Why don't you kick us off and tell us what are your non-spoiler thoughts, your overarching thoughts on The Mandalorian Season 2? I'll start by saying, look, I really enjoyed it. I think this series had a pretty high expectation attached to it i think given yeah. that the success of series one and, and probably given everything that's happened this year and maybe including where star wars was perhaps overall but no look i really enjoyed it what about you rob look i think for people who continue to want a star wars that's like the original trilogy this isn't perfect but it continues to be pretty much as good as it gets and for many that's enough it's super fan service even more than the last series, but that's what fans eat up, hence the term. <laughs> and sometimes it's okay to give people what they want. Yeah, I agree with most of what both of you were saying. I certainly enjoyed this. It was a show that as each episode came out, I was keen to sit down and watch and watch properly and then discuss with mates over the weekend, going to work on the Monday and, hey, did everybody see The Mandalorian? Yeah, what did you think? It, it was one, one of those sort of shows. I agree with the point you were making about the expectations being tough and this was never going to feel quite as new or fresh as exciting as season one uh, and that's the problem that season twos always have and I think that was the case here. I did have a couple of quite big and fundamental not problems, but matters of dissatisfaction with this season, which we will be discussing and I'll, I'll, I'll tear out. But no, this was much watch TV and it was just a lot of fun to watch. Uh, anything else before we draw the spoiler curtain down? Oh, I don't trust myself. I think I need the curtain down. <laughs> In that case, we are bringing down the spoiler curtain. And I will say up front, this is a spoiler curtain for The Mandalorian Season 2, obviously Season 1, but generally any Star Wars that's more than a year or two old, we're going to assume you've seen the movies, we're going to assume you've seen the, the other stuff that's happened, so I don't want to say spoilers, 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 we'll go through. Uh, if you haven't seen Return of the Jedi, if you haven't seen The like, yeah. <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker, you know, assume they might be spoiled in this, this conversation, so that's, that's a full warning. So we're going to go around the virtual room and each of us have brought some points to the conversation that uh, we will discuss and no doubt there will be some overlap and some points in common. Rob, why don't you go first with something you wanted to discuss? Yeah, look, last season I was like, this is great. This is, you know, set during an era I care about. It feels like it's written by people who get Star Wars coming after the abomination of the sequel trilogy. It was this amazing rebirth and it, uh, it brought me back to the Star Wars fold where I was really rapidly falling off. And as a major Star Wars fan, that was a big deal to me, the fact I was falling off. This season, while I feel the same relatively, that this is an era I care about and it feels like the people who are writing it know their Star Wars, you know, that's all the same. I'm now starting to see the joins in the writing and there's a formula that's staring me in, in the face. Yes, and if we can go into that, Din shows up somewhere. Someone wants him to do something. 
he does the thing, he gets the reward, and he moves on. It's almost like quests in an RPG. And I'll stop there uh, and let you guys have a crack. But yeah, my big thing this series was like, we're retreading a lot of the same ground and we're using exactly the same formula. That dovetails very well into a point that I was going to make. So I might just expand on that before, Richard, we give you a, a, a chance to comment. And that is that the pacing of the season definitely felt a little less frantic than season one. There was a, an obvious slowdown of pace at the start of the series, which I get because new people have to come on board and because you can't keep the pace that was there at the end of season one going non, non-stop. There needs to be another build-up. Uh, but yes, in those quieter early episodes, that formula was very on display. I will say, however, that although I could see the formula in later episodes, there was enough mix-up in there or just enough excitement in there that I was able to put that aside. But when it was a duller episode, and I'll I'll flag episode two with the um, <laughs> Deus, Deus Ex Machina X-Wings, I will uh, flag that as where it really did, did, did show up. But Richard, what about you? Yeah, I'll... I'll echo most of that um episode two for me was probably the only one i think where at the end i sort of is that it yeah Uh, um i think that that just felt a bit flat and look in some ways episode two of the the first season was probably much the same it was a bit of a placeholder uh that was the one where he thought that the the mud hornet had to rescue his gear from the jawas so arguably that in some ways was perhaps a bit more exciting but yeah I, i was a bit let down by the second episode i thought it did a good job, probably, of just slowly ramping up, probably, as we got across the season. Um, yes, there is a lot of fan stuff in there, and we got to see things like, you know, Boba Fett being really effective and sort of going on his little rampage uh, <laughs> when he got his armour back and what have you. But, oh, look, I thought generally across the season it, it built quite well. I'm, I'm probably going to make the point, I'm guessing we are all probably really surprised by the ending. Were yes. We? Yes. Oh. No? Oh, Okay. No, look, once I knew that a Jedi was going to be involved, for most of this series, I was daring to dream it would be Luke. Okay. And when that X-Wing came in, I was just nodding and thinking, okay, yeah, everything I thought is happening. I I wasn't actually that surprised, I've got to say. Okay, I must admit, yeah, when the X-Wing came in, it was sort of like, ooh, okay. I I actually was expecting, because they'd they'd sort of flagged him in one of the earlier episodes, I actually was expecting that we were going to reveal Thrawn uh, was Mm. where I thought it was going to go. But that's maybe a, a slightly different topic probably one other note i had um and and given i've mentioned boba fett i might lead off with that did did he feel a bit sort of a bit of a token appearance for you because i sort of felt once they'd shown him off and they'd had his he'd had his big episode he really didn't do much um he was basically the pilot for slave one really i think for the rest of the series or sort of their their you know their transport basically and i don't know it just maybe felt a little too obvious i was setting him up for his own series so rob i know you and i have some very different views on this and i i have a few prepared statements so i'll let you go first on this one i'll let you go first on this one because then i have i have not 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 a rant certainly not a rant because i it's not remotely of that tone but but i, I do have some comments so i'll uh I'll, I'll defer to you first. Well, you have prepared statements. I went back to our last episode when we did the Mandalorian Series 1. And uh, at the end of that show, we, we go around and we say, uh, would we like uh, some old characters come to come back in Series 2? And, and Richard, you say no. And, and Dave, you say no, I don't think that's worthwhile. And I said, yeah, I think they're bringing back Boba Fett. 
So <laughs> you can go back to that episode, folks. I predicted it over a year ago. And I was I was very happy with it. But yes, I will say that the shoehorning of Boba into the story did feel like it was just setting him up for his own show, just like I feel Cara Dune's getting set up for the, yes. uh, the Rangers show and Ahsoka Tano was brought in to be set up for her show and we can, you know, maybe tease some of that out uh, a bit later. But on Fett himself, I was, I was very happy to see it. There are issues like he's been getting around on Tatooine without his armour, but he knows his armour's on Tatooine. And the guy wearing the armour is a bit of a lightweight. Why wouldn't Boba just have gone and got his armour off that mm. fella, the marshal, <laughs> in the first place? So bits of the story didn't connect and, uh, you know, no. it did feel shoehorned in. I will go along with that absolutely, but I do love Boba Fett as a character. I think probably also it felt a bit contrived that they had to sort of come up with a reason why he would keep travelling uh, with the group. Um, mm. You know, it came all about his honour and whatever, and it was sort of a bit like, oh, really? Yeah, I, I don't know. That that bit kind of didn't work for me. Look, I, I'm a Boba Fett fan too, and look, I know um, Dave kind of isn't, and <laughs> and, and I, guess, I, I guess we're getting to that bit, but, well, actually, no, I'll let you go, Dave. Go on. <laughs> look, look, thank you, and I will just mention in passing, I really did enjoy episode one, and I thought Timothy Oliphant was a really cool guest star that got the season off to a good start so that was that was very good look i was very disappointed with the inclusion of boba fett and look it's not that i'm not a fan of him i'm just not a a fan of his i've never really understood the the fan love for the guy who's basically a plot device in 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 one movie but then who does get a appropriate character arc ending moment in in return of the jedi but I, i i did i did realize though that part of my issue is actually not the mandalorian's fault and that is because it comes at the end of a couple of similar moments where, for no apparent reason, Darth Maul was brought back from the dead to finish the Solo movie. And for no apparent reason, Palpatine was suddenly resurrected to do The Last Skywalker. And both of those felt like a case of the new Star Wars universe not having the confidence to not have to go back and resurrect old characters to try and give gravitas to their conclusions and and I put a big asterisk there that I know that I have missed alternate universe or extended universe stuff about these people being coming back so I I, I know I missed that that's a big thing because Palpatine never came back in the EU like we saw him in Rise of Skywalker but um, Maul was well established in uh, Clone Wars and Boba Fett his escape from the Sarlacc and popping up in other stories. Yes, all spread through the EU. So to people who are into that stuff, it's not weird at all. No, ab- absolutely. But I-, I can remember turning to people at the end of Solo and having seen Darth Maul and going, was that Darth Maul? Like, he mm. was chopped in half. But but the point is that <laughs> com- com- coming on the end of both of those, when the Mandalorian then brought back Boba Fett, who, as far as I was concerned, was killed in 1983 in the Sarlacc pit, I'd I, I'd, re- I'd sort of heard a bit about, oh, no, they brought him back. But but in my in my mind, he was dead. So they've, they've brought this character back. And I just thought, Mandalorian, you are better than this. You you don't need to ride on Boba Fett's coattails to make this character work. And I will certainly say that when he did get back and he got his armor back, you know, that, 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 that fight on the Jedi mountain sacred stone area was, was very cool. He was very good. Uh, I liked the way it was played. It, it, it wasn't a bad performance. And I enjoyed the character reasonably enough but I just didn't need to have him come back particularly when as far as I was concerned he's been brought back from the dead 
Mm. Well, look, I think if you're going to have a show about Mandalorians and not have the most famous Mandalorian in Star Wars lore in it, that would be weird. It would be like having a movie about Krypton and not having Superman in it or something. But, but Rob, I'll just stop you there, though. And I don't want to go on about this for too long, but isn't it a little bit like the Capaldi Doctor having his first episode and then the Smith Doctor coming back and saying, well... You know, I give you permission to have your own show. Like, does this overshadow the Mandalorian by by saying, "Well, there's actually a bigger one out there." I guess so. They've probably made, and what I think is the correct decision. To now you've seen him, and now we've established he's back. They're now going to take him clearly out of the series and give him his own set of adventures or whatever it is they're going to do with him. So it's kind of like a backdoor pilot, I guess, in a way. Oh yeah, for sure. I think so. I mean, obviously, we all saw the uh, post-credits tease of him on uh, on Jabba the Hutt's throne at last. <laughs> that was very cool, shooting Bib Fortuna and all of that stuff. That was great. However, I do think if Season 3 of The Mandalorian needs to go into this uh, who's going to rule Mandalore, the retaking of Mandalore, how is Bo-Katan going to take the Darksaber from Din in a legitimate way, you know, which, uh, which was a big part of that episode until mm. Luke Skywalker turned up then that was kind of forgotten about but I do think that'll be what series 3 is about and we can maybe talk about that in, in detail later and then I can't see how you wouldn't involve again the most famous Mandalorian Boba Fett in that storyline about the retaking of Mandalore and given both series will be running in December next year concurrently could there be crossover between them I don't know Yes, I could certainly imagine this being very much like Buffy and Angel, for example, where mm, yeah. there, there are episodes that, that certainly go there. Or, or indeed, or the, the, Arrowverse. Um, the Arrowverse was exactly what I was about to say with yep. the, all, all those shows that go together. I think that is a model of television that they will clearly, well, not clearly, but I think probably seek to mirror. Uh, so look, we've exchanged our views on that. Audience members will have their own view. And as always, feel free to write to us and tweet us with the... With, with, with your views, um, we mentioned Luke just before, so let's let's have that conversation. And I will add to what Richard said and say that look, I was already enjoying the series finale. I was sitting there, I was absolutely gripped. I had a big grin on my face. It was really good. Having had the Mandalorian struggle just to defeat one dark trooper, they were now facing a legion of them. And oh my god, how are they going to get out of this one? And then when they said there's a lone X-wing coming by. I just had an even bigger grin on my face because I then knew exactly where this was going. I lapped it all up. It's not an original statement to say that they gave Luke a moment to parallel that famous classic moment from uh, Rogue One with Darth mm-hmm. Vader, and they've given him you know a mirror version of that. I, I just loved all of it. It was a, a amazing conclusion. I have nothing but praise for it from Luke Skywalker. In uh, what do you guys think? Well, I was going to say, just, just to paraphrase that famous quote, just when you think it can't get any better, Luke bloody Skywalker turns <laughs> up. <laughs> very much, very much my feeling. I really enjoyed that as well. I'm actually also, kudos to them for keeping that under wraps for so long. Yes. Uh, as well, because that really, I think, was totally unexpected. Yeah, absolutely. They, they did a very good job of keeping that under wraps. Rob, what, what do you think? Yeah, look, obviously I was excited to see Luke... I was more excited, though, at a different moment to other people. Because when you watch these reveal videos, people are very excited. The X-Wing arrives, they're excited. He fights, they're, they're really excited. Then the reveal of the face. For me, I was most excited when he was fighting. 
that sort of middle middle moment where mm-hmm. he's chopping up all the the dark troopers and stuff. I thought this is amazing. We're seeing him, him in combat again. He's got the green lightsaber. The only time we've seen Luke wield a green lightsaber post Return of the Jedi before now is in the Last Jedi, where he ignited the lightsaber <laughs> and was going to kill his his nephew. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm even talking about that now. I was most excited with him fighting when he actually appeared on screen. I was like. Oh, oh, he looks like a computer <laughs> a computer game character. Oh, and I got taken out of the moment. This other moment where people, fans across the world, were bawling and going, Oh my God, it's Luke! I was like, oh God, that CG doesn't look right. That looks like it's about a five-year-old computer game. <laughs> so I don't think that was the reaction you were meant to have. But when he was fighting, again, I was, I was close to tears when he was doing that. I was like... Oh, it's Luke back in action, the green lightsaber. This is fabulous. So I did like it. I just didn't quite like the moment everyone else liked. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people online, particularly on Twitter, because, you know, Twitter is where hate goes to find nourishment. Um, <laughs> I did think, I found a lot of people that were very, very critical of the CGI. I, I thought it was perfectly acceptable. It was perfectly fine. And let me add, I because I was so excited by Star Wars after this, I've gone and watched a couple of movies, including Rogue One, and the CGI then with Tarkin and Princess Leia at the end, th- this is a generational step up compared to what they were doing with that a few years ago. Yeah, but like Tarkin and Leia, fans have gone and deep faked this scene and then put their deep fake next to the actual scene, and the fans' deep fakes look better than what was on telly. Okay. That still staggers me. And they've done it with the Rogue One scenes as well. And they've made Carrie look exactly like Carrie and, and um, Tarkin look exactly like Tarkin with, with deepfake technology rather than just CG. Oh, fair enough. Well, e- either way, it was very, very, very cool. Anything else on that or should we move on to the next point? Oh, yeah. Look, let's move on. I'm just being picky, just to be contrary. No, no, no that's that's fine. Look, I think, I think we were all blown away by that finale as well as certainly everyone I know who was watching it. Uh, Rob, we're back to you. Another point from you. Okay, let me throw this one out here talking about being contrary. If I was going to be super duper critical about this series as a whole, guys, and you can challenge me on this, I'd say it was very basic storytelling. It wasted half of an already tiny number of episodes with very basic filler kind of stories. And the episodes that were left, the episodes that wowed us, were still just adverts for other shows. There is nothing there that is factually incorrect. Mm. But I don't care because I enjoyed watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and look, and and I loved it too. And this is the thing. I think if you deliver content that fans want, as I said at the beginning, they're going to eat it up. You might not be able to sustain it long term, but I don't think that's the strategy, you know. Uh, So I'm I'm on board with it. But I, I can see, again, like I said at the start, the cracks, and I can be cynical about it if I want to. Yeah, and it's a conversation I had even with people just just in the office who said, "Oh, this this is another episode where they arrive. There's a deal that has to be done. He does a deal. It, it moves the plot on." And, and there was a little bit of cynicism about episode three, episode four, about you know what's going to be the thing that delays the series finale this week. Fortunately, though, I think hmm. they did actually change gears about episode four episode five and 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 did start actually delivering on some genuine arc stuff they didn't leave it all for the finale and and that i think did turn around what could have been a a much worse season and had had it stayed at that that pace yeah much much the same i thought there was some fairly obvious padding i i think in some of the storylines um 
look, you probably can't have the big arc story every week. I mean, thinking of something like, you know, even thinking back to an arc-heavy series like Babylon 5, yeah. um, you would have, you know, the episode where they focus on this particular character. And look, you might get a couple little throwaway mentions of stuff that, that make you go, ooh, okay, and that advances the arc slightly. But it's just a standalone episode, so you can, you know, take a breather or whatever. And then next week you'd come back and then hit them with some big revelation about the shadows. And look, I, I probably took that approach to it. I thought it started off quite slow. Look, the first episode obviously is, you know, it, it's the opener, so you probably don't expect too much from it. As I said, episode two I, I thought was a bit of a step backwards, but I sort of thought they sort of just ramped each thing up there was a little link in the in the chain uh, across each of the episodes look you probably could have condensed that storyline down into four episodes rather than six but i would make the point though i think rob's right a lot of it was very much setting up something else we go to episode three and we deliver the frog lady and then we, we start to set up the the bo-katan part of the storyline we then go back to and meet carl weathers again and then we're clearly setting up a bit more about what's happening what the empire's plan is and we go on until we get to the finale so but i think fans lap that sort of stuff up and i know i did so um i was really happy no i think i think that's fair comment um since we're doing contrarian views i might just pop in with my next point um, and then we'll go to you richard um one of the things i really highlighted as being a great part of season one of The Mandalorian was that it was extremely accessible and there were lots of different layers of Easter eggs that different levels of fans could could pick out without it really making the show, as I say, inaccessible to more casual fans or, or whatever. And, and Star Wars is like Doctor Who now, where there is so much extended universe content that only the real, you know, the, the real Jedi Master fans can, can know it all. I did think that they were a little bit less accessible in this season. Um, the episode where Bo-Katan arrived, I didn't have a problem with. I just thought, wow, these are some cool new Mandalorians. But it was interesting for me getting on social media afterwards and seeing people were just like, oh my God, it's Bo-Katan. I'm like, oh, so she's a thing. Mm. Oh, but, but, but I was able to enjoy the episode without knowing it just wasn't as exciting for me. The one where it really let me down was uh, episode five with Ahsoka. And I spent that entire episode waiting for us to find out that she wasn't a Jedi and this was some sort of trick because I've seen The Empire Strikes Back. In fact, I watched it last weekend and definitively it is said in there that Luke and Leia are the last of the Jedi and we're just a few years after Return of the Jedi now and I thought, well, she's obviously some sort of dodgy fake Jedi and, oh, this is this is going to be a twist, you know, how she had a lightsaber and mm-hmm. is she a Force-sensitive and, and then... I sort of thought, oh, she's a real Jedi. That's that's really weird. Who is she? And there was no sense of trying to bring me, as someone who didn't know the character, into this character. And again, I was able to go on social media, and everyone's like, oh my God, they brought her back, and she's from this series, and she's done this, and, it's, and this mm. is the backstory. And I was like, well, couldn't they have at least had a little bit of that in the episode for someone like me? And, and, and I'm a fan of Star Wars. Imagine a very casual viewer just going... Who, who, what, 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 who, she's a Jedi? What? I thought that was... Just, that, that really took me out of what otherwise could have been a good episode. Yeah, the last of the Jedi things are real a dodge now because I guess Yoda went off to Dagobah and, and didn't know what happened to most of the Jedi out there. Uh, and also Ahsoka does leave the Jedi Order um, in Clone Wars. Spoilers! Uh, so she's not really a Jedi, technically. 
I really enjoyed that episode, but you're absolutely right. She wasn't really introduced, even, as we say, with a line, <laughs> which, yes. which they could have done. I guess they're assuming that she's all through the Clone Wars and there's series after series after series of that, so most Star Wars fans would know her, but not all. And you're one of them, obviously, Dave, even as a Star Wars fan. So, yeah, I think a line might have been useful there. Yeah, I, I, th- I think so. I would say, look, I, I'm probably not as across the, the oeuvre uh, as you, Rob. I certainly knew who she was. Um, I've watched some of Clone Wars, not all of it. So I knew she existed and, and sort of some of her backstory. And, look, it was cool to see her. Um, and, look, it's Rosario Dawson, so that was cool too. Mm. But, yeah, it, it probably was missing something about how she fit into the big picture i took away from that probably just the thing look this is something clearly they are going to expand on and and now of course we learn she's getting her own series so yeah this is the thing because in that episode which i thought was really good it had that sort of asian feel to the architecture and the vibe of the place and it was misty and it it felt like a really cool location and it was a good story i I agree with all that yes but, you know, you have Ahsoka saying, okay, you help me out. So here was the deal for this episode. You help me out and I will take Grogu and uh, train him. Yep. So he helps her and then she just totally pulls out of that deal. Mm. And it's like, that, what? And then she's like, oh, I can't actually do this because I've got to go off and do my own show, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, and that, I'm being cynical, of course I am, but it's like, I think that could have been better handled because yeah. even that plot device of her reneging on the deal that's that's not her character she would not promise to do that and within the space of an hour or two not want to do that that's on the deal yeah that's that's not how her character goes nope fair enough uh we'll keep moving the conversation richard do you have another point to raise just just sticking with the idea of setting things up for future series and stuff i was a bit surprised initially that that carl weathers didn't have a um didn't have a bigger role I probably also, I think, just thinking back through the episodes, clearly I, I think we're going to see you've gone to the trouble of getting Timothy Oliphant to play Cobb Vane. So I would assume we're going to see him again. Now, whether that's in the Boba Fett series um, or whether he comes back into The Mandalorian, um, I would expect we'd probably see him again. Other than that, I don't know that I've got too much else. Uh, well, I've got a few more just very minor points I run through. But Rob, any big ones from you? Oh, not big ones. I've, I've made little points on all the episodes. If we were going to talk about any episode in particular, I've got some zingers. Like, you know, talking about when we saw Carl Weathers again for the first time, that was in the fourth episode. Uh, Din went back to Navarro and he got to see Cara June and Grief again. And we got told there was an Imperial base on the edge of town. Now, this is really weird because I don't know how that works with the previous series where we had the old you know, Nazi war criminal Imperial and his wrecked stormtroopers getting around in the town. If there was a garrison right on the edge of town, and why was the dodgy geneticist guy doing all his work in the Nazi war criminal's dodgy little shack when he could have been out at the actual base in a, in a proper lab doing this work? The answer is, of course, I don't think they had dreamed up that there would be this garrison there on the edge of town. They just shoehorned it in in the best possible Star Wars way that they hadn't thought of it originally, but now it's in there. Let's just make up a reason why it's there. I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, fair enough. Well, I'll, I'll just... <laughs> I, I, uh, you don't look, think it's weird? No, look, I, I actually took it as an indication that things are moving on in the galaxy and 
I liked the fact that this started to feel like the New Republic was becoming a bit more of a thing post-Return of the Jedi with, with encounters and it slowly sort of tried to take over the systems of the Empire. And I also did feel as though the the scattered remnants of the Empire were slowly regrouping and yes, they were a ragtag team of uh, ex-Nazis, so to speak, last season, but, but now they have built a bit more and they, they are pulling the resources and the various different um, moffs and admirals and, and, and the like are starting to pull these forces together. And, and I actually took it as a very natural progression. Okay. A um, couple of just minor things for me. Once again, I want to just flag that I love the fact that the series drops one episode a week and it is event television that I look it forward is. to and I chat to with my mates. That, that's just such a cool thing and there should be more of it. I really liked the moment when the Razor Crest was destroyed. I thought that was a very bold moment and, and took the series into unexpected places and, and, and amped up the idea that, you know, this is a dangerous thing and the Mandalorian is fallible, which is important. And just all the stuff with the dark saber, I just thought as someone who didn't know what a dark saber was at the end of last season, I've completely bought into this. And, and, and I love the moment of uh, the Mandalorian being told, well, you know, she has to win it off you. And he's like, that's cool. I yield. Here it is. Um, <laughs> such, a, such a great moment from him and such in character. Um, and then they sort of had to, explain away with a line why that didn't work uh, but it, it was just lots of very cool moments like that for me there's a funny story about the razor crest uh and that's that hasbro the the company that's made star wars toys for the last 20 30 years they took it over after kenner uh were crowdfunding to do a big razor crest ship uh any sort of big craft like Jabba's sail barge and stuff uh, hasbro has taken to crowdfunding in recent years to to mm. create them and so after the uh, the first series of Mandalorian, they did this <laughs> crowdfund and everyone's like, yeah, I want the Razor Crest. This is amazing. I think it was like 350 US dollars. And then the, the crowdfunding ended and then this series came on and they destroyed the <laughs> Razor Crest. And all these fans, particularly in the US, lost their tiny minds that they had crowdfunded a ship that was now blown up and wasn't going to be in the series anymore. <laughs> and people were going nuts about this. And I said to them, hey, 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 look, it's like Mad Max. His car gets blown up in the second film, yet it's still the iconic, you know, V8 Interceptor. People still want models of it and stuff. I don't see it as any different to that. But apparently Star Wars fans do. The fact it's been destroyed on screen now, they, they don't want their crowdfunded spaceship anymore. Wow. That's just bizarre to me. I mean, you know, yeah, <laughs> the, ex the Executor was blown up at the end of Return of the Jedi, but that's still an awesome ship and I'd love a model of that. Like, Yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, look, I've I've had all my points. Anything else that people want to add before we go into our sort of more specific chat? I'm good here. No, I'm good. All right. So the next point we just wanted to bring up was our favourite episode. So uh, Rob, we went first with you last time. So Richard, what was your favourite episode of season two? I'm going to be a little bit wishy washy and say I actually didn't have a real standout. I'll go with episode eight purely and simply because of the, the, the twist in the ending. And look, I was gripped like you. I was gripped by the episode and then they took it up another notch with the arrival of Luke. If I wasn't going with that, I would probably go for either episode four or probably episode seven, I think. Um, well, that's a, that's a double snap from me. And a triple snap here. <laughs> for, for, if we're talking about seven... <laughs> Uh, okay, so Rob, do you want to carry on then? Why did you have uh, Seven as your favourite then? Well, funnily enough, I've just been talking about Mad Max's Interceptor and Episode 7 had a clear Mad Max 2 homage 
as they were zipping along in that truck and had the uh, the vehicles chasing them and guys jumping on the back of the truck and wanting to mm-hmm. ignite the uh, the flammable material or whatever it was that they were carrying. I thought that was a fantastic set piece, uh, probably pitched somewhere between Mad Max 2 and maybe the first Indiana Jones film. And I loved the fact they brought the character back from the story where they're doing the heist on the ship or whatever that was. Uh, It's great to see a character return. The way he went nuts in the base and shot the Imperial officer in the officer's mess. I'm thinking, (laughs) oh, how are you going to get out of this? This was really exciting. It was fun. I, I, that episode just really resonated for me out of all of them, I think. Yeah, likewise. I, I, it's funny, actually, a few minutes before they went into the officer's mess, I was actually sitting there thinking, they're going to have to contrive a means for um, for Dent to take his helmet off this season. And then, lo and behold, about two minutes later, <laughs> <laughs> he's standing in front of the data terminal. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I said I was a double snap with Richard, and that's because both of the episodes he mentioned uh, were on my list of favourites. Episode 4, The Siege, I thought was a really good, fun episode. It, it brought back some good characters, and um, it really felt as though it had moved the st- series forward while still being a good, fun adventure and lots of things blowing up, so that was good. But yeah, Episode 7 was my favourite as well, for all the reasons you said, Rob. Uh, it was action-packed, it was exciting. There was a real feeling of we've now put together this team and we're actually going to do something very cool with it before they all go and have their own TV show, which I, I, I mm-hmm. like the way that that culminated. Um, I like the mix between action and character moments. I thought that was really good. And also just the way that it brought together a bit of a theme that was developing very subtly just about how, at what point do you compromise nebulous or esoteric principles like honour and values for practical outcomes and and that moment is just crystallized as in the moment you highlighted richard where din chooses to reveal his face and take off his take off his mask because that's the only way now he can finish his mission and finishing the mission and and retrieving grogu is a bigger deal than you know the the rule that you never show your face upholding the way yep upholding the way so yeah i I thought it worked on on so many levels um we haven't mentioned and we probably should were we surprised when Grogu got a name? Did we like Grogu's name? I mean, because I know that sort of set the world on fire, actually. And I know Kevin Smith found out a few days earlier and was desperately trying not to tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> what did we think? I thought it was a bit weird when I first heard it, but that's what mm. names are like, I guess. Uh, and the more I've I've heard it, the, the more I've come to accept it. And I'm completely fine with it now. If I had to name him, though, and I said this at the time, I would have called him Yuma. Because? Because, thank you for asking. (laughs) It's a name, it's a Y name. And in Star Wars so far, we've had Yoda. And when we had another Yoda-like creature, we had Yaddle. And I thought, Yuma, Yuma fits. Yuma sounds a bit like Yoda. And it's a nice homage because they shot bits of Return of the Jedi in Yuma, Arizona. I thought that would have been a nice Easter egg. Well, so funny, it would have worked it. on multiple levels. Guys, I'm free to write for the show. Just hire me. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny, when you said humour, that's immediately what I thought of, 310 to humour, and I thought, that's the only humour I know. But <laughs> <laughs> likewise, likewise. There you go. Uh, yeah, you know, I thought it was it was very cool. Any comments from you, Richard? No, look, I was perfectly fine with it. Again, once once the name had, um, you sort of got your head around the fact, that, okay, that he's now got a name and he's not the child or baby Yoda anymore. No, Grogu's fine. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a nice development. I think it would have been a bit silly to have this character 
continue on and on without a name. So I'm, I'm glad they did it. So we've discussed season two. We've obviously enjoyed it. Season three, where do we think yeah. it will go? I will start off here, and I've just written it down one word, and that is Thrawn. I got very, very excited when his name was dropped. As I've said before on other podcasts, it was the Thrawn trilogy by Timothy Zahn that turned me from a Star Wars watcher into a Star Wars fan. And I genuinely thought that Thrawn would be either the big bad of the season at the yep. end, or he would be the post-credits reveal of like, look where we're going next guy, next season, kids. Um, so I was disappointed Likewise. he wasn't there, but I hope that he's a big part of season three. Uh, that's the only thing that I've really got for season three. I don't know where they're going to go. Uh, I don't know if Grogu's going to be back. Well, you'd think they probably have to at least have a couple of, whether it's a full crossover episode or at least a, you know, sort of a flash across or something so you can see what he's doing. Because I think, you know, once you've sort of taken him out of the series, you've lost the cute factor. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, and he's selling far too many toys yes, to, well, to not be back too. in the series. Um, so I assume he's going to come back in some way. Plus, I suppose you've also got the unanswered question of really where, where is he clearly in the in the sequel trilogy. But um, and and that that is a comment I did sort of message someone afterwards and said, D -d does that mean Grogu gets like violently slaughtered by Kylo Ren in a few years' time? <laughs> Um, Rob, you're keeping very silent. I know you've got thoughts. So where do you think Series 3 is going? Oh, look, I, I've just got to say, look, if there's not a scene next series where we don't have CG Luke Skywalker walking around while Grogu's lifting rocks or something and it's another break the internet moment, you know, there's something horribly wrong with, uh, yes. with their thought processes over there in Hollywood because that would just be a winner. In regards to Thrawn, Dave, I recommend you watch Series 4 of Rebels and see how Thrawn ends up there. Uh, I say no more. Okay. Uh, and like I probably spoiled a bit earlier in the episode when I started going on about it, I think Series 3 is all about uh, Din and Bo-Katan and, and who's going to rule yes. Mandalore because Din has pledged himself to Bo-Katan. He said, if you help me, I will do anything you want. She wants to rule Mandalore, but he's holding onto the sword and they're going to need to fight for it or something. So this has all got to play out. And as I said, maybe it'll tie in with the Boba Fett series. Maybe he'll swing in and, and do something with Mandalore as well. Uh, I think it's going to be a highly Mandalorian season. Yeah, I think so too. I, I suspect... It may well be the thing that, that Series 3 kicks off pretty much, you know, five minutes after Series 2 ends, I think, because when Luke arrives, you're right, all the other stuff just gets forgotten about, mm. basically. You know, you, you've sort of got... Um, um, what's his name? Um, you've, you've got Moff Gideon sort of lying on the floor, first laughing because he knows that he's sort of screwed Bo-Katan over and then being terrified when he sees Luke turn up. But again, and, and then he obviously tries to, to commit suicide or whatever. But they really just forget about all that because, hey, kids, it's Mark Hamill. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so and, and really none of, that is, none of that is resolved other than the fact that clearly Boba Fett and, and Fennec clearly leave the group at some point and, and head off to Tatooine. So I, I actually think they'll probably start almost straight away, you know, as I said, I think they'll probably start, you know, five minutes, I think, after the second series ended. Yeah, and I think we should highlight just what an amazing performance Moff Gideon was, particularly in, in that last episode. That was, that was just an extraordinary good performance, I thought. Yeah. And you're right, they've seeded a lot of stuff about what he was doing with Grogu and what he was developing that hasn't been answered. So... We would probably have two obvious plot strands for it to go down there, the Mandalorian one 
and the Moff Gideon one. Um, but look, I'm, I'm oh, sorry. I was just going to say, and I think I think Giancarlo's Fazito has said he is in series three quite extensively. I think hasn't he? I'll have to take your word for that. Rob, no, no, no idea. I'm sure he said he had a bigger role. Plus, you've also got um, Nazi scientist guy. Uh, what's his name? Dr. Pershing, um, who, who's presumably still being held prisoner somewhere. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. so th- th- there are some very obvious and interesting plot strands to be picked up in Season 3. And presumably, John Favreau will have new and interesting things to do as well and, and, and surprises to come. Which brings us to our final point and... I think, gentlemen, you both have more to say about this than I do, which is where to now for Star Wars more generally? I think last time we met, I said TV was the future, and that does seem to be the future thus far. I mean, we do have we do have a movie on the slate, which is the Rogue Squadron movie with Patty Jenkins, and we know Taika Waititi might do something, and Kevin Feige might do something, but generally it's the TV shows we know the most about. Yeah, I think so. Well, they had the, the thing, what was it, about two months ago, where they sort of unveiled their, you know, the plans for their investors, but it was pretty much all Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was. And so there's a lot of characters that are getting their own series. I, I, I'm i sort of neither excited nor unexcited about any. I'm kind of holding out to see to see where they go. I mean, I'm not excited by the Boba Fett series because of Boba Fett himself. Um <laughs> You know, if, if it's if it's Boba Fett doing stuff on Tatooine, I'll probably feel very ambivalent about that because I think we've seen far too much of Tatooine in Star Wars, and we need to just sort of move on from there. Um, if it's Boba Fett having exciting adventures around the galaxy with a bunch of interesting characters, yeah, I'll probably really enjoy it, and that, that's kind of where I am for for all of it. Um, I I like the idea of the Rogue Squadron movie. I know Rob, you think it should be a series but I think it'll work very well as a movie and we'll, we'll see how it goes I do think at some point they're going to ink a deal on the next movie trilogy I think they'll be very careful about it I think they will uh, not rush it into production like they did the last movie trilogy because they did get bit burned a little bit there although they still made billions of dollars so they, you know mm. they probably don't care that much about fans weeping on Twitter um, <laughs> but, 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 but I think they are going to be very careful about exactly who they sign up and the fact that a number of suggested trilogy projects have fallen by the wayside does feel to me like they're not signing someone until they're absolutely sure it's the right fit and that's yeah that, that's kind of where i have it it's 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 positive i mean if they make more shows like the mandalorian it's going to be glorious um the cynic might say not every season of every series can be that good and um john favreau can only be spread so far uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, that's all I've got. Anything else for either of you on that or anything, really? Yeah, look, I've been saying from day one when they announced the Cassian Andor series, I mean, it's been shat on from a great height by basically everyone in the universe, but I've been saying I think this series has got legs. This is a guy, he's tough, he's a spy, it's going to be like James Bond in space. This could be amazing if they do it right. That's like any show. If they do it right, it's going to be amazing. I know that. But I, I have high hopes for Andor, whereas I think most Star Wars fans are writing it off already. Uh, I'm also quite interested in The Acolyte, simply because of its setting. It's going to be set during the High Republic, and mm. that's something new, and that's something different. It could yeah. be a, a bit... Uh, 
Well, like that uh, Battlestar series that they sort of tried before. Um, what was the series? The the one what was it Caprica? What Caprica. Yeah. Yes. Um, that that maybe didn't end that well, but it's it's worth a try. And look, you know, obviously Ahsoka could be a good series. Rangers of the New Republic could be a good series. I'm also curious about Star Wars Visions, which is an animated series done by some Japanese anime studios basically star wars anime mm. and i think that could be really cool too so i'm i'm really happy with the real and look i didn't even mention the obi-wan series which will probably be a home run as well so you know happy days is, is there a i was about to say is there a risk though that you wind up a bit like the marvel series where you just sort of go into overkill and and it's sort of diminishing returns well i think that's what they're doing i think that's the game plan they've they've turned this into the sort of the marvel universe so, so just just milk this and basically until yeah the, <laughs> the, the one runs dry the think, one yeah. difference sorry the, the one difference is that because they're tv series they can drop them either together or in succession and it could be that for example something will be shown in march and then something else will be shown in june and then they sort of have like the big two or three get done sort of at the end of the year or, or something like that so they they can stagger them i think if they try to do five or six series all all together at the same part of the year that would just be way too much and people would go uh, there no i think you'll have star wars sort of coming down the pipe at you all the time and I, I do think that's the plan i i just i'm probably just a bit concerned that you're going to get to the point as i said with the marvel series where when luke cage dropped it it broke the internet for the day but then you get into the you know you get a couple of series on from that and no one cares anymore yeah, so... there is always that danger and, and something could well fall by the wayside. Again, just because you raised it, Rob, the uh, Obi-Wan series is one that, again, is very curious for somebody who's not imbued with the extended universe because the last I heard of Obi-Wan, he spent 20 years sitting in a desert and that doesn't actually sound like the most exciting series. But I am very <laughs> excited that uh, Hayden Christensen has been cast to play that now whether that's a 30 second cameo in a flashback or he's a character i don't know and whether we're going to be using um some sort of conceit like a force projection or something so that he is actually hayden christensen as anakin not hayden under a lot of makeup or under you know the vader suit in which case what's the point i don't know there's a lot to look forward to and a lot that could be very interesting yeah, I had some trepidation with that because Lucasfilm officials were sort of talking it up like it's it's their chance to go head to head again. And I'm like, oh no, don't do it. Because in A New Hope, he clearly says, when I last met you, I was but a learner. Now I am the master. Let's not have some interim meeting between them, especially when to talk of the uh, extended universe type stuff. In, in the Clone Wars, Darth Maul is Obi-Wan's nemesis. Yes. Obi-Wan cut him in half. Darth Maul got his robot legs and came back and was his nemesis in the Clone Wars. That's his nemesis, not Vader. He shouldn't meet Vader again until he's Alec Guinness in A New Hope. No, unless we're going to get the scene where Darth Vader's going, hmm, gee, I wonder what could have happened to my son. Oh, I wonder if anyone's <laughs> nearby. Ben Kenobi. Oh, that's familiar. I don't know who that could be. But <laughs> let, let's not tear apart the, the first movie because it's a wonderful movie. Yes. Well, I think it's very clear that we've had a lot to talk about in The Mandalorian Season 2, and look, we've, we've had some fun looking at some faults and nitpicking like all fans do, but let's just say we have all thoroughly enjoyed this series, and we're mm. all looking forward to Series 3, and no doubt we'll be back to talk about that when it happens. But before then, we will be back in just a couple of days' time reviewing Doctor Who for a change, our Revolution of the Daleks, and we'll have that out as quick as we can after it drops here in Australia. Richard, thank you as always for joining us. 
No worries. Thanks for having me back. Um, and I'm sure you and I will do some reviews of a few movies as movies start to actually happen again in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so look thank you for joining us we've had a lot of fun I've been Dave I've been Rob I'm Richard and we'll speak again very soon bye 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 you've been listening to Alternate Galaxies the podcast where Rob and Dave from the Doctor Who show take a look at other great sci-fi and fantasy that we think Doctor Who fans might like you can reach us at hello at the dwshow.net on twitter at the dwshow or on Facebook forward slash The DW Show. Alternate Galaxies is an irregular podcast, so stay tuned to the Doctor Who Show and other programs on our feed to know when the next episode's coming. Our theme music is called Wretched Destroyer and is by Kevin McLeod. Find him at incompetech.com. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.